turn your Bibles, amen, to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. You know, we've been talking about understanding the end times, amen, glory to God. And a lot of this is going to be specifically catered to the men, but it's going to be directed to you ladies too. Amen, because we need to know even as men what's going on in these end times. Amen. And last week we talked about the rapture of the church. Are you with me out there? And today we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Let me say the judgment seat of Christ. And when we're talking about the rapture, we talked about last week, whether you believe in the rapture or not, it's going to happen. Let me say it again. Whether you believe in the rapture or not, it is going to happen. Let me say it one more time. Whether you believe in it or not, it is going to happen. Amen. Understand this. Some things in life we receive by faith. And there are other things that will happen totally unrelated to our faith. Make that statement again. Some things in life we receive by faith. And there are other things that will happen totally unrelated to our faith. See, certain things God will do regardless of whether or not we believe him. Let me say that one more time. Certain things God will do regardless of whether or not you believe him. Amen. For example, man did not exist when God created the universe and the earth. Amen. See, God did not have to wait for someone to believe him before the world came into existence. Some things are simply the sovereign acts of God. Let me say it again. Some things are simply what? The sovereign acts of God. Some things are part of the plans of God that cannot be changed. Matter of fact, the entire chapter... A Corinthians chapter 12 is about the sovereignty of God. Matter of fact, the gifts we operate in and the offices that we stand in are not determined by our faith. Let me say it again. The gifts that we stand in and the offices that we stand in are not determined by our faith. See, if God has called you to be an evangelist, but you're believing to be a pastor... You can believe all you want, but it will not change what God has already determined for your life. Matter of fact, Romans eleven twenty nine. those what it says here. For the gifts and callings of God are what? Are without what? Repentance. And men, understand this. If God has called you to do something, that's not going to change whether you obey him or not. Let me say it again. If God has called you to do something, that's not going to change whether you what? Obey him or not. See, you can continue to be disobedient. You, continue to, you can continue to be in sin and operate in pride, but that's still not going to change what God has called you to be. Tell your neighbor it's not going to change. See, every man and woman has a calling as well as one. Everybody has a calling in this room. Men and women have a what? Calling. Let me read this from the New King, New, King, New King James Version. It says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, in the New King James, For the gifts and callings of God are what? Irrevocable. Amen? Are there what? Air what? Revocable. Let's look at the Message Bible. The Message Bible says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled. Never canceled and never what? Never what? Rescinded. See, you can run, but you can't hide. And one day you're going to have to answer for not walking in what God has called you to do. The excuse. Still 
there. That is not going to change. God is not going to rescind your calling. Come on, say amen, somebody. For example, I knew a preacher, and me and my, me and Ms. Walker went to go see him preach. And he was a good preacher. I mean, he preached, he laid hands on people, people got healed, delivered, and set free. But he was having, he was knocking boots, so you know what I'm talking about. With one of the girls in the choir. But the gift was still in him. God still uses his gifting even though he was still in sin. Now he's going to have to answer to that one day. Come on, say it. And I don't, want to, I don't want to be in his shoes when he does. But the gifts and callings are what? Without repentance. That calling is still there. Tell your neighbor that calling is still there. Whether you want to walk in it or not, God's not going to change his mind. Oh, and that Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. See, the office in which each person stands in, stands in is part of the sovereignty of God. Let me say it again. The office in which each person stands in is a part of the sovereignty of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, but now has what? Now has God what? Set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has what? As it has what? As it has what? Please him. He never asked you what you want to do. He never asked you what you want to be like. He never asked you where you want to go. He never asked you when you want to do it. Come on, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Come on. It says God has set everything in your life as it has pleased him, not you. The problem is we're trying to please ourselves and not doing what God called us to do, and we're out of order. Okay. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. The operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are also part of the sovereignty of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, but all these what? Work of that one and self same spirit doing what? Dividing every man severally as what? Severally as he will. As who will? As who will? That's the sovereignty of God. Come on, are you with me out here? But understand this. Anything connected with the cross is by grace. Say it again. Anything connected with the cross is by what? Grace. See, there's a difference between the grace of God and the sovereignty of God. There's a difference between what? The grace of God and the what? The sovereignty of God. Whatever God does in sovereignty, listen, we don't have to believe him for. He will still do it. Amen. However, what God does in grace, we have to accept, we must accept it by faith. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 2. There's a difference between what? The grace of God and the sovereignty of God. Romans 5, 2 says, By whom also we have what? Have access by what? By faith into this what? Grace when we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, grace and faith go hand in hand. Tell your neighbor, grace and faith go hand in hand. And anything Jesus did on the cross, we must believe and receive. Let me say it again. Anything Jesus did on the cross, we must what? Believe and receive. See, salvation itself doesn't involve the sovereignty of God. It doesn't. Look at Ephesians 2.8. Salvation itself does not involve the sovereignty of God. Why? Because the Bible says in here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by... For by, grace. for by, grace. are you grace. through what? Faith, and it's not of your, it's a what? Get the God. See, God will not force salvation on us. Amen. See, grace is available to everyone. Sovereignty is not. 
Let me say it again. Grace is available for everyone, but sovereignty is not. See, salvation must be what? Received. Healing must be what? Received. Prosperity must be what? Received. See, all of these things are a result of the cross. And they're given by grace. Come on, y'all follow me out here. But we must receive them by, but we must receive them by faith. Somebody say by faith. Well, here's the point of all this. Almost everything included in the end times, almost everything included in the end times involves the sovereignty of God. Whether you believe it or not, folks, it will come to pass. Let me say it again. Whether you believe it or not, it will come to pass. Your unbelief is not going to change what God's going to do. <laughs> the rapture of the church is not grace. The rapture of the church is a sovereignty of God. It's going to happen. All Christians, all Christians past and present will be brought before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, we will be judged for our deeds here in this flesh. Look at Ephesians 5.21. Let me say it again. All Christians, past and present, will be brought before the judgment seat of Christ where we will be judged for our deeds in this flesh. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be judged one day. You're going to stand before God and be judged. Ephesians 5.21, it says, submitting yourself one to another, what? In the fear of God. Wives. Submit yourself unto your own husband, not somebody else's man, not the man at work, not the supervisor at work. Come on, you show more respect to your man at work, your boss at work than you do your husband. You argue with your husband, but he asks you something. The man that meant to work. Did you do Okay. <laughs> Honey, can you do something? Do it yourself. He na ba ba That's not the subject here. Wives. <laughs> Submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the what? Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the what? The wives be unto their own husband in everything. Somebody, I heard somebody say, this ain't Mother's Day. I know it ain't. <laughs> Husbands. Now, oh, you hear, hear that? Hear the, how the voices raise up. <laughs> like they just waiting, anticipating for it to start talking about the husbands. This is Father's Day. <laughs> husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also what? Loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify it and do what? Cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present himself for what? A glorious church not having what? Spot or rank or any such thing that it should be what? Holy and without blemish. Amen. And this is the added one, verse 28. So are men. Yes, yes. So are men. Yes. To love their wives as their own bodies. And he that loves his wife Love of himself. So if he don't love his wife, he don't love himself. So that's the problem because he can't love you because he don't literally love himself. Because if he love his wife, he love himself. If he doesn't love his wife, then he don't love him. Okay, y'all want me to keep going. Let's go back to verse 27. We're talking about the end times. <laughs> Glory to God. Look very closely at verse 27. Notice it says, it does not say he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. 
And that's what people often quote. This verse says, he will present us to himself a glorious church without what? Spot or wrinkle. Without what? Spot or wrinkle. Okay, all right. I got to go back here because the Holy Spirit won't let me keep going. Verse 27, let's look at that again. Husbands, love your wives, right? Amen. as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, this is also teaching for single men. It's also teaching for what? Single men. Because it says here, as a single man, you're supposed to be learning how to be a husband. And it says here, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If he ain't loving you, why you single? He ain't going to love you when you say, I do. And then it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water word. If he ain't, say, he ain't speaking a word over you, and he's just saying, baby, baby, baby. He's not washing you down with the water of the word because he don't know no word. So that should tell you something. That should be a red flash. Beep, beep, bop, bop. Get away. Why? Because it says that you might present it to himself a glorious church, not having what? Spot or wrinkle. In other words, I'm supposed to resent this woman without spot or wrinkle. In other words, when people see her and I'm dating her, they should have no accusation against her that me and her are doing anything or I'm dishonoring her in any way. Because I'm presenting her without spot or wrinkle. You can't say nothing about her. Because you ain't seen me going up her house at 9 or 10 and 11 o'clock at night. You ain't seen me come out the door at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Because I'm honoring her. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because I want to make everybody know that this woman is holy and without blemish. And if that man ain't doing that, you got the wrong man. Because there's any accusation against you. And people think you're doing something. The Bible says don't even have the appearance of evil. And if he's showing, he's giving, giving the people an impression that something's going on with you and him in a bad way, he has lost his calling when it comes to treating you like a woman. Oh, okay, all right. All right, now the Holy Spirit said I can go home. Once again, here in verse 27, it doesn't say he's coming back with a church without spot or wrinkle. It says here, he will present us to himself a glorious church without what? Spot or wrinkle. And see, we will not be without spot or wrinkle until Jesus presents us to himself at the judgment seat of Christ. There's, listen to me, folks. There is no such thing as a perfect church on this earth. And everybody's going from church to church to church trying to find this perfect church. Guess what? You're not going to find it because you just walked in the door. And you just made it imperfect when you walked in the door. Because you're not perfect. Once again, there's no such thing as a what? Perfect church on this earth. Come on. We will be, listen, we will be going through sanctification process until the rapture. And if Jesus was coming back for a church of our spot or wrinkle, the first thing we would have to do is we'd have to quit getting people saved. Because why? They come to Jesus with all their what? Spots and wrinkles. Why? Understand this. Sanctification is a process, folks. It usually takes years to get rid of the spots and wrinkles. Anybody found that out? Come on. And they're, listen, even after that, they're never completely gone until the rapture. Have you ever found out that this, you still, you've been saved for 20 years, you're still dealing with your flesh? Amen. And besides that, once again, we'd have to stop getting people saved because why? We're so busy working on ourselves, 
trying to get spots and wrinkles out of our own lives, we wouldn't have time to get somebody else saved. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, Jesus is coming back for the church as it presently exists. And it's going to be filled with spots and wrinkles until what? Until he removes them at the judgment seat of Christ. Somebody say the judgment seat of Christ. Go to Romans chapter 14, verse 10. He's coming back for the church as it exists. Because you're not ever going to lose all your spots. Come on, ain't nobody that's planted right now walking perfectly. And if you say you are, I got a lot white line down here. <laughs> Romans 14.10. Notice what it says here. But why does thou what? Judge thy brother. Or why does thou what? Said it not thy brother. For we shall. We shall. Tell your neighbor that includes you. We shall. Do what? Stand before the what? The judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of you, every one of us, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. Say, neighbor, every one of us. Then it says in verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Come on, let us not what? Judge one another anymore, but judge this, rather, that no man put a what? Stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. Are you with me out here? Sometimes Christians do too, many, too much judging. Well, you don't have all the spots out of your life. How are you going to judge somebody else? Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. amen. Jesus is the judge. Leave the judging to him. But in verse 10, it says, we shall all stand before the what? The judgment seat of what? Judgment seat of what? Here in verse 10, the English word judgment seat is two words. But in the Greek, it's only one word. And that one word is bima. Somebody say bima. And that word bima in the Greek does not mean judgment. The word bima means rewards. It means what? Rewards. And see, this word would be would better be this word would be better translated in English as the rewards seat of Christ. Somebody say the rewards seat of Christ. But let me explain the history behind this word. In the ancient world, the best games were found in Corinth and were equivalent to our Olympic games in our day. Amen? And see, the Corinthians games were known throughout the entire world at that time. And as young men would cross the finish line, they'd be ranked by their places. First, second, third place, just like we have what? Gold, silver, and what? Bronze medal winners. Amen? Now, after crossing the finish line, what the winner would do, the winner would go to the bima, somebody say bima, and stand before it, and the king was seated on the bima. This was a what? It was a high elevated seat. And as the young men would come and stand before him, the young man's head was almost to the same level as the what? As the knees of the king. Come on, say amen, somebody. And as the winner stood before the king, what the king would do, the king would reach over and place a crown on his head. And the crown consisted of olive leaves. But what the crown represented is what's key. Are you with me out there? It meant when that crown was placed on his head because he was the winner, it meant that the man and his family were tax exempt for the rest of their lives. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. It also meant they were also fed, clothed, and educated at the public expense for the rest of their lives. It also meant they were given free room and board 
and had permanent seats to the games for the remainder of their lives. Come on, say that's a pretty good price. Come on, say amen, somebody. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.8. So is it the what? Reward seat of what? Christ. Is where we will want, receive what? Rewards. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, we are confident, I say, willing rather to be what? Absent from the body and to be what? Present with the Lord. Wherefore, we want labor that whether present or absent, we may be what? Accepted of him. For we must, for we must, for we must all what? All what? Appear where? Before the what? Judgment seat of Christ. But listen to this now, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Listen, as good as life is, it can't compare to heaven, folks. But both good, listen, both good and bad Christians will be in heaven. Both good and bad Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, all of us will go to heaven with good works. And all of us will go to heaven with some not so good works. And as we stand before the Lord, we will be judged for both good and the bad deeds that we have done. Isn't that what it says? Come on, isn't that what it says? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51. We'll be just for both good and bad deeds we've done, folks. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Once again, he says, Behold, I show you a what? Mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. We shall all be what? Changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be what? Raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Changed. It says all will be changed, and all will stand. All will be changed, and all will what? Stand. Well, who are the all that will be changed? See, those chains are both the dead in Christ and those that are alive and remain. They both will be what? Chains. And see, we will all, we will all receive resurrection bodies. We will all go to heaven. And for the seven years, God is judging the earth. Jesus will be seated at the judgment seat and we will be there before him. Are you following me out there? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Are you there? For we are laborers together with God. You are God's what? Husbandry. And you are God's what? Building. According to the what? Grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation and another builder thereon, but let every man take heed how he what? How he what? Buildeth thereupon. Now, the word husbandry simply means garden. Somebody say garden. In other words, we are God's garden. And guess what? He's still working on us. And understand this. When you have a garden, you don't just plant something and forget about it. Come on, it takes work to have those prize-winning flowers. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you cannot plant flowers and just leave them because why? The weeds will grow. And the bugs will come. Come on, you with me out here. See, we are God's garden, folks. And God is still pruning us. Come on, he's still planting fertilizer. Come on, he's still killing bugs. Come on, he's still pulling weeds from our lives. What's God do? God is constantly caring for us, and this is why we as believers continue to do what? Grow and do what? And become stronger. Because why? He's caring for us. 
But this verse, is also, this verse also says we are God's building. And he says it, it compares us to a what? Building. Somebody say building. See, if you led someone to the Lord, SWAT team, if you led someone to the Lord, you have laid the foundation in that person's life. See, this, the foundation is not you. You just simply did what? Witness to them. Are you following me out here? And when they said yes to Jesus, you did your part in helping them lay a foundation for their lives. Verse 10 says, let every man take heed how he what? Build it thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that, that is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. See, every one of the Corinthians Paul was addressing had accepted Jesus Christ under his ministry. And this is the reason he said, I have laid the foundation in your life, and that foundation is who? Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. Now, if any man, somebody say any man, build upon this foundation, what? Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stumble. Verse 13. Every man's what? Every man's what? Work. Don't forget that word. Every man's what? Work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Each person in this room has two areas of life they are building, folks. One is called gold, silver, and precious stones. The other is called what? Wood, hay, and stubble. Notice verse 12, it says, if any man. If what? Any man. See, that's singular, folks. See, Paul did not call anybody by name. But he's addressing each individual. In verse 12 he says, Now if any man do what? Build upon what? This foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Listen, there's no break between gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Tell you that, there's no break. And verse 12 doesn't say, If one man builds... On, this, on his foundation gold, silver, precious stones, and another builds on that foundation wood, head, several. See, every person, every person has two piles. Tell your neighbor, you got two piles. One is called wood, hay, and stubble. And the other is called what? Gold, silver, and precious stones, which are built on the foundation called who? Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody has what? Everybody has what? Come on, you can say it. I mean, I'm looking at the lips, you know. Everybody has what? Two piles. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as what? Unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. He says in verse 3, for you are yet carnal. For as there is among you, what? Envy, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal? And walk as men. Not translation, walk as mere men. Now, to identify how we accumulate gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stumble, in our lives, let's imagine a circle. Somebody say, imagine a circle. Come on, do you see the circle? Do you imagine the circle? Put your imagination where God gave you imagination for a purpose. Come on. Amen. Inside the circle represents being in fellowship with God. Outside the circle represents being out of fellowship. Amen. In fellowship, you are spiritual in verse 1. Isn't that what it says? 
verse 1, it says, Brother, I could not speak unto you as spiritual. In, spirit, in, in fellowship, you are what? You're, you're called spiritual. Out of fellowship, you're called carnal. Verses 1 through 3. Carnal was mentioned three times in those three verses. Are you following me out here? The question is, how do we get out of fellowship with God? It's real simple. Tell your neighbor, it's real simple. It's called sin. It's called what? It's called what? Sin. Come on, we don't have to get deep. It's called what? Sin. That's how we get what? Out of fellowship with God. Well, how do we get back into fellowship? 1 John 1, 9. If we what? Confess our sins, he's faithful in what? Just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Now I'm back in the circle again. See, when you're in fellowship with the Lord, you produce good works, which is gold, silver, and precious stones. When you're out of fellowship, carnal and under the control of your flesh what do you produce you produce what is called wood hay and stumble see two people can come to church and one may be carnal and one may be spiritual the carnal person may give a hundred dollars in the offering and the spiritual person may only give five dollars now, in this example, the carnal person, the carnal person who gave the $100 will receive wood, hand stumble for his giving. But the spiritual person will receive what? Gold, silver, and precious stone. Now, it's important not to confuse sin with wood, hand stubble. See, God will forgive sin, but the wood, hay, and stumble you accumulate while you're in sin will be judged. Let me say it again. The wood, hay, and stubble that you accumulate while you're in sin will be judged. See, whether you're fasting, whether you're praying, whether you're giving or doing anything other that we deem spiritual, if you do these things while in sin, it's called empty works. Oh, let me say that again. Whether you're fasting, whether you're praying, whether you're giving, or doing anything that we deem spiritual, if you're doing these things in you, while you're in sin, it's called empty works. And see, sin not only includes outward sins that we see, it also includes those inward sins such as jealousy, bitterness, envy, strife. Works, listen, works done in the flesh do not impress God. Say it again. Works done in the flesh do not impress God. And a lot of people work up in church, do it in the flesh. And God's not impressed. The only thing that impresses God is faith. Faith impresses God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Being spiritual impresses God. And see, you don't need, you, listen, you don't need works to get into heaven. But works will determine your status, and your rewards when you get to heaven. Let me say it again. You don't need works to get into heaven. Are you with me out here? But guess what? But works will determine your status and your rewards when you get to heaven. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.13 again. Every man's work shall be what? Every man's work shall be what? You can hide it from me, but you can't hide it from God. Everything you do is going to be made manifest. I believe it's going to be like a screen. <laughs> and all the things you thought you got away with that nobody's seeing, God's going to say, you remember that day? 
Okay, I don't want to hear that. Okay, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by what? Fire, and the fire shall try what? Every man's work of what sort it is. Notice the man is not judged. His works are judged. See, we bypass judgment when we accept that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. But our works will be judged, folks. And this verse tells us that the fire is going to try every man's work to determine what kind it is. And when the fire descends, the wood, hay, and stubble will be what? Burned up. Somebody say burned up. But when the fire hits the gold, silver, and precious stones, guess what? They will not be destroyed. Instead, the fire will purify them. The fire will do what? It will burn up the wood, hay, and stubble before you receive your rewards. I'm saying it again. The fire will burn up the wood, hay, and stubble before you what? You receive your rewards. You'll be rewarded. Listen, you will be rewarded for what is left. The gold, silver, and precious stones. You're going to be rewarded for what? For what is what? What is what? Left. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.14. It says, if any man's work abide." Which he has built thereupon, he shall what? He shall what? Receive a reward. If any man's work shall be born, burned, he shall what? He shall what? But he himself shall be saved, yet so by what? By fire. What are these verses saying? After the fire comes down, each person will be rewarded for anything left. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones. Now the question is, now what if nothing is left? After the fire burns up everything. What if the person has no gold, no silver, and no precious stones? It says there that person will be in heaven, which is wonderful in itself. Come on, say amen, somebody. But he will receive no rewards. Somebody say none. Come on, say none, yeah. Now, understand this. Receiving rewards doesn't mean you have to go run off to a remote country. Come on. It doesn't mean you have to go out every day and feed the poor. Are you following me out here? Sometimes we think of good works. Amen. When we think of good works, we think of some mega good deed that we got to do. Are you with me out here? The Bible says if you give a cold cup of water in his name, you you receive a prophet's reward. See, the size of the deed is not important, folks. What is important is the motive behind what you do. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things, but a lot of them have motives. They want everybody else to look at them as this great person, as this servant of God. Why? They're looking for the accolades of men. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. Come on, say amen, somebody. So what's important is the motive behind what you're doing. And there are going to be a lot of good people that will receive words in heaven. They will receive words in heaven. And they'll sit up there and say, they have a right to say, I deserve a reward. And Jesus will answer them. And he'll say, of course you do. Because why? You did that deed out of the love you have for me. And he's going to say, you didn't have to be prodded. You didn't have to be motivated to do it. You just simply did it out of the heart of love. Why? Because no deed went unseen by me. Thank you, Lord. 
Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 41. First Corinthians 15, 41, it says, There is one glory of the sun, another what? Glory of the moon, another what? Glory of the stars, and one star what? Different from another star in glory. So is also the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in incorruption, it is raised in what? Incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in what? Glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in what? Power. It's sown a natural body. It was raised a what? Spiritual body. We talked about that. There's a natural body and there's a what? Spiritual body. See, the rewards in heaven will be vast and it'll be varied. Some are going to shine like the sun in heaven. Some are going to shine like the moon. And the rest are going to shine like what? Like stars. No two will be the same. And just as stars vary in brilliance and intensity... So will the rewards, folks. But unfortunately, some Christians will have rewards in heaven that will be so difficult to see, you will need a magnifying glass. I'm talking about Christians now. Come on, baby. Why? Because many Christians will receive very few rewards in heaven. Because why? They do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. Okay, it's getting quiet in this church again. Turn to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. <laughs> and it's strange because most of the people that do nothing, they're the biggest talkers. The biggest complainers. The biggest troublemakers. But they're doing nothing. But what are they going to do when they see you getting all your crowns and all your rewards? And they said they did nothing while they was on this earth. And now you sit up there getting all these rewards in heaven. They look at you and they look at you with all those ashes beside them. Because <laughs> there ain't nothing left but ashes, wood, hay, and stubble. This is Bible, folks. Yes, yes, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a what? Great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the what? Stood before the what? Throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the what? Throne, and unto the what? Lamb. So standing before the Lord on a sea of glass will be an innumerable company of what? People from every nation, every kindred and tongue wearing white robes and waving palm leaves, folks. And it says they will serve the Lord night and day and praise him continually. Are you with me out there? If you have a hard time praising God now, and if you have an earache because you hear somebody praising beside you, you're going to have a hard time in heaven, folks. Because they praise God what? Continually. Amen. And they're going to be shouting because they're in heaven. Amen. Are you with me out there? And there's also going to be a group around the throne called elders. And they're not only, only going to have white robes, folks. They're going to have kingly robes, crowns, and scepters. And the Bible says they were ruling and reign with Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you. I don't want to just make it into heaven. I don't want to just barely creep in. Come on, say amen. Anybody, just, anybody like me, I don't want to just make it into heaven. See, those who rule and reign with Jesus, listen to me now, those who rule and reign with Jesus are those who spent time in prayer. Those that walk by faith. Those that attended church. Those that witnessed to those around them. Come on. They will have an abundance entrance into heaven and a grand entrance into heaven. They'll go in with, with palms waving. Come on. Say amen, somebody. Last scripture. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 
I don't want to just step into heaven. I don't want Jesus to look, Jesus, Jesus look at me and just say, well, <laughs> you made it, huh? <laughs> but that's going to happen to a lot of people. All he's going to have to say about them is, well, I want a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because I'm doing something for him. I'm faithful for what he gave me. I'm faithful with the gifts and callings upon my life. Come on, say amen, somebody. I'm not sitting around watching somebody else do the work. I'm getting involved in work myself. Second Peter 1.10 says, Wherefore the brother, brethren, giving what? Give diligence what? Give diligence to make your what? Let's say it again. Give what? Diligence to make your what? Calling and election what? Sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will, not be, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Because maybe somebody sitting up here, I already knew all that. Okay, let me see your works. And be established in the what? Present truth. See, that abundant entrance will occur at the what? Judgment seat of Christ. The reward seat of Christ for seven years following the rapture of the church. It will occur as we stand before him to receive our rewards for the good works we have done. And sometimes those good works is just simple obedience. Come on. Doing what God called you to do. And once again, not sitting around, standing around, watching everybody else expecting to be served and not serving anybody yourself. And it's time for some of you to start working on some good works for God. Okay, amen. It's time for some of you to start working on your rewards. Come on, it's time to start working on your rewards. Where? In heaven, folks. With a what? With a loving heart. And stop treating what you do for God, those of you who are working. Stop treating what you do, what you do for God like a job. Sometimes you do more for your job or your business and you make excuses that I'm doing it for my family. No, you're not. God is only going to look at what you've done for him with a loving heart. He ain't looking at all that other stuff that you claim you're doing for everybody else. Come on, say amen, somebody. And everything you do for you is nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. Everything you do with the right motive of God is going to be what? Gold, silver, and precious stones. Are you following me out here? Oh, it's about eyes closing for you. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah.